welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hey, so I'm Corey Haynes, and I'm the co-founder of SwipeWell, the creator of Swipe Files, and I do SaaS marketing for companies. Awesome. You uh, do so many different things. Can you maybe share a little bit about the most exciting thing that you're working on these days? Yeah, to me, kind of what has my my heart and my passion is SwipeWell. So it's a marketing tool to help you build a swipe file, which is basically a library of inspiration for emails, ads, landing pages, any sort of marketing campaign that you're running. We basically help you curate examples so that you're not starting from scratch. You don't have like a, a blank canvas. You're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but you're going off of best practices and examples from other companies. And I'm a big believer also just that a lot of the best marketing ideas come from other industries. If you kind of break out of your echo chamber and think outside the box, that's where the real kind of creativity comes from. And you need a tool like this to really kind of broaden your horizons, think outside the box and leverage examples that wouldn't be, you know, one-to-one exactly what you're looking for. We're shipping new stuff all the time. It's me and my co-founder, Connor Lindsay. He's been an absolute machine. We're very, very early stage. But uh, like most recently, we just launched our mobile apps on iOS and Android. So you can swipe from your phone. And um, so we're constantly working on new things. It's really fun and uh, really exciting right now for us. Congrats on the App Store launch. That's exciting. Um, I know we were talking a little bit offline about how kind of the idea came from from like scratching your own itch as well as within your community swipe files. Can you share a little bit more about like kind of what that initial process was and how you made a decision to like prioritize and start building it? Yeah, definitely. So it's funny because the initial idea for Swipe Files was that I was doing a, a weekly newsletter of a teardown of a you know a landing page ad email anything that I thought was like a notable example of really, really exceptional marketing. And then I'd write the kind of this big detailed analysis of why I think it works and what I like, what I don't like. And that was just from my own experience of feeling like, well, it was when I was at the, at Bear Metrics as the head of growth, we were launching our affiliate program and it came time to build a landing page to recruit affiliates. And I thought, what the heck goes on a landing page to recruit B2B SaaS affiliates? I have no idea. So I went around and looked up a bunch of other examples of you know, ConvertKit and Teachable and WP Engine and all these big notable companies with big affiliate programs. And then felt like, all right, now, you know, like a week later, after analyzing this, DMing people, trying to ask sort of best practices, now I have a good idea. I wish that this just kind of existed as a piece of content. So that's how I started writing it. Eventually, SoyFiles turned more back to kind of my expertise of SaaS marketing tactics and strategies and examples and less of the kind of teardowns and marketing examples as a whole. But it came full circle with Swipe Well as the tool to help me do that because um, just people were asking all the time, oh, how do you build a Swipe Well? How do you actually keep one? Um, I was thinking for myself, I've gone through every single tool possible, like Evernote, Apple Notes, Gmail, MyMind, uh, Notion especially, and every single one of them kind of just fell short of what I really wanted and didn't actually help me with my workflow day to day in leveraging a swipe file for the things that I was doing. You know, and they were really easy to like capture stuff, but then it was impossible to actually find it and actually use my swipe file as a tool for inspiration and to tease out those best practices. 
And especially came to a point where um, I had a couple of people asking, Hey, can I, do you have a, you know, a swipe file of examples of SaaS marketing that I can get access to as a member or as a subscriber of the newsletter? And so I started looking at tools like Pinterest and, oh, maybe I can just embed like a Pinterest board onto our site. And then that just had its its downfalls and there's no way to organize them. And there's no way to really, you know, annotate and comment and tag and ways to kind of curate different views of what I was looking to share with people. And all the time, people just knew me as like the swipe file guy. So they're asking me for examples of welcome emails or, uh, you know, really random kind of campaigns, product launches, you know, pricing update emails, like the most random things. And I was constantly kind of like digging through things. And I just finally got fed up and was like, I need to build a tool for this. <laughs> so I, I started away for a while until I met Connor and then we started working on it. But anyways, to answer your question, it came totally full circle from kind of the the inception of swipe files being this week, weekly teardown newsletter to then like, I wish I had swipe well as a tool to help me when I first initially started doing that, because it's exactly what I needed at the time. Yeah. I love it. And I feel like some of the best products are born out of a need that the founder actually had. Yeah. Yeah. Scratch my own itch. Yeah. To dive in a little bit more, I mean, you were getting all this feedback from Swipe Files members uh, asking about, hey, I need like, you know, specific affiliate pages or pricing pages or whatnot. When you started to build out Swipe Well, that is a mouthful to say with both of those. I know, I know. (laughs) How did you involve specific kind of members of the Swipe Files kind of community to kind of help test it in the very early days? And I know you're still pretty early stage as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge, huge blessing uh, and an opportunity to be able to basically cross-promote SwipeWell with the Swipe Files audience because um, they were already super familiar with the idea of a Swipe File. They already knew me. Uh, they were already asking again for examples and best practices and you know a list of of things um, that I can point to and say this is what good looks like. And so when I announced it you know, immediately our sort of like wait list jumped to like 500 people because they knew exactly, they, they got it, right? It clicked with them. It wasn't like a cold audience. It was a very, very warm audience for them. And then we just jumped straight into uh, customer research. And so sort of hopping on calls with people, sort of understanding their workflow, asking what they use, what they like, what they don't like about certain tools that they're using in their workflow. And that's really what informed our first initial MVP of the Chrome extension as just basically finding a way to make it as easy and frictionless and as fast as possible to allow people to grab a screenshot and store and organize it somewhere where they can find it later. And after that, you know, then you sort of just like iterate your way and you you keep in contact with customers to understand how else you can be helpful. But that first jumping off point of the Chrome extension was sort of just like a beachhead for us to land here and say, okay, now we can start here. It's in the browser. It's reminding people constantly every time they see it that they can use it. Uh, it's only literally one click to use. And so we don't have to teach people exactly how to use it. It's very, very straightforward. And we were able to do that entirely from the launch list, uh, which was pretty much all from the Swipe Files audience, even before I had you know, announced it on Twitter and gone and reached out to friends and colleagues. Like It was entirely from the Swipe Files audience at first. Yeah, that's such a super smart way to launch and get feedback very, very early on. Um, so when you're like getting this feedback from like whether it's email or from these calls, what was kind of your process like for prioritizing what to actually build? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a whole thing, right? It's very, very difficult. 
Um, that's why product managers are a thing. And I think one of the big keys is that you have to read between the lines a bit and really understand what people are trying to accomplish instead of just trying to build what people ask for, or what they tell you that they want or what they think is a good idea. Because at the end of the day, it's not your job just to build what people tell you, you they think you should build. It's to solve a problem for them. And to be honest, a lot of people don't really know the best way to solve their problem. And so if you're just going off of what they think would be a good solution, you're just going to kind of spin your wheels. People are going to have drastically different ideas. You're going to be pulled on a bunch of different directions. So you have to really hone into the problem. Like, what are they actually saying? How are they using this? What are the ways that their current workflow is falling short or they're getting stuck or it takes too much time or it's frustrating or annoying? And then you kind of distill those down into a couple of points. And those become kind of the basis of the features that you build to solve those, those problems. And then you can reteach people and say, hey, I know you said you wanted to do it this way, but based on what we're hearing from you and from everyone else, we actually think that this other way is a better solution from what you said. Why don't you give a try and let us know if that's your experience or if we need to go back to the drawing board. And pretty much every time so far, we, we've sort of hit the nail right on the head. We have a perfect score so far and just being able to build what people um, need instead of just building what they want, because I think we've been so closely intertwined with understanding their exact needs. Um, I'll give you an example of like how that works. I'm a huge fan of the jobs to be done framework. People hire jobs, just like they hire people to, um, to do something for them, right. To solve a problem, to fill a gap, to give them superpowers in some way, enables them to do something they weren't able to before. And one of the big things with jobs to be done is you have these kind of four forces. So you have uh, the push away from their current solution. You have the pull towards a new solution. You have sort of the anxiety and, and hesitation of adopting a new solution. And then the inertia that pulls them away or pushes them towards uh, a, a different solution, You know, either to a new competitor or back to their old way of doing things. And so when we were hopping on calls with people, I would record it with a tool called Grain. And it allowed me to timestamp certain moments in the call when I could identify a push, a pull, an anxiety or hesitation, a point of inertia. And that really gave us a framework to think about, okay, these are all the things that are pushing people away from Evernote, Notion, Apple Notes, Gmail, et cetera. These are all the things that kind of like people really light up about when I talk about how we're thinking about things. And I just throw out random ideas for the way that the features we could build or the way we could solve their problems and so on and so forth, right? But when you distill it down that way, from real customers, like what they're actually telling you, not just like through a survey, not just through kind of your own intuition. Again, uh, I built it, we, we built this to solve or to kind of scratch my own itch and to solve my personal problem, but I'm just one person. Like I don't do a lot of advertising, for example. And so when we're talking to someone whose day-to-day -day job is to create and manage tens of thousands of dollars of advertisements, they're going to have a very different perspective on things, different needs a different angle, a different way of seeing the world, right? And so I'm not going to be like the one and only, you know, perfect encapsulation of our customers. So I really need to get to know them, be able to see the world through their eyes. And the Jobs Redone framework has been really, really helpful for that. Absolutely. Do you, by any chance, have like a specific example from what kind of a customer or like a prospect um, kind of shared and how you actually were able to dive into like what the actual pain point was? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely one of the uh, 
one of the big things that we noticed was that a lot of people wanted to, well, basically the, the current way that they're doing things was they were uh, adding something to their notes and the notes could be an Evernote, it could be Apple notes, could be a notion, but again, it was, it was really hard to find. And we were finding that over and over and over again, as people were actually using this Wi-Fi because after like 20 or 30 examples, then you basically just have to like scroll through everything. Um, and so people kept asking for, oh, I'd love a way to, um, you know, to build like a folder or build a bunch of subfolders within my swipe file so that I can easily find things. But I knew from my experience doing uh, the swipe files newsletter and trying to keep a swipe file myself, that folders are sort of like this old paradigm. It's this hierarchy structure that is really inflexible and actually takes a lot of work to one, find things because you have folders and subfolders and sub subfolders and sub sub subfolders. Um, but two is a lot of work just to figure out where something should belong. Because let's take an example like a SaaS pricing email, for example. Do you put it in the email folder? Do you put it in the SaaS folder? Do you put it in the pricing folder? Uh, you know what I mean? Like it, you could structure that hierarchy any single way. But then as soon as you have a welcome email, well, does that go in SaaS? Does that go in emails? Um, it's definitely not going to go on pricing, but like in which bucket does that fall into? And so the solution that we came up with was tags. Tags are a very, very flexible way of organizing that doesn't kind of pigeonhole you into a corner of choosing a subfolder or sub subfolder. All you have to do is type in tags. You can add as many tags as you want. And then any one of those tags will help you find the exact example that you're looking for rather than having to dig through folders and then search for an exact title or scroll through every single image or screenshot that you think that you've saved. And that was one, one thing that we had to kind of teach people of, Hey, folders are not a really good thing. I know that they're everywhere. I know that every sort of tool and paradigm that you're used to on the internet and on your computer uses a folder hierarchy, but we think that sucks. And here's why, and here's a better way of doing things why don't you give it a try and let us know? And every single time people are like, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is much better. Okay, never mind. I understand what you're doing. This is perfect. Totally. Um, and shifting gears a tiny bit, you have so many different projects that you're working on in a given time. How do you like structure your day? Yeah, um, every day is a little bit different. So I think the key there is actually thinking a little bit more like, how do I structure my month? And then how do I structure my week? And then how do I structure my my days? So when I'm thinking about how to structure my month, I don't really have like a formal process around this, but usually I have like three to four projects per, I mean, not projects, not the right word, three to four projects per like company or per obligation, per entity that I'm working on for the month. And so I can call my month a success if I get these three to four things done Everything else is kind of just gravy. It's all details. It's all just admin work. It's all a bonus, if you will. So then per week, I usually have one big thing per week for each one of those companies or obligations or, you know, for example, to give you an idea, like I have uh, swipe files, I have swipe well, I do consulting for SavvyCal. Occasionally I'll do other consulting gigs or, uh, or kind of projects on the side where I'm maybe working on like a, a new product, like a, a course or uh, membership offering or something like that, right? So if we think about it in, in that case, I usually have like one per week per project. And then that week, I'm trying to decide which day am I going to work on this thing. And so literally right in front of me right now, I can look at my, I have an Ungabunk uh, analog, which is just like a, a manual 
um, little piece of paper. And so I'll just write down, these are the top priorities. Now in Notion, I have a list of every single task, every single project I ever wanted to do for every one of those obligations. But per week, I like to just kind of hone it down into something physical that I can see because it's always right in front of me. And so right now I can, I can look at a couple of them and I can say, okay, this week I need to get this thing done. And, um, and then per day, I'll figure out which ones I want to slot in. Now I also structure my week a little bit unorthodox because I batch most of my meetings on Monday afternoons and Wednesday mornings. And so that allows me to, you know, keep like 80% of my time during the week to just kind of focus and do deep work, do more creative work, work where I'm not just like talking about the work and I'm done, going to get done or planning the work and I'm going to get done, but I'm actually getting the work done and just kind of going heads down, focusing. It's kind of my creative outlet, turn on Spotify, turn off notifications and just start, you know, cranking away, try not to, 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 to check Twitter. The other big thing is that per day, I'm really just trying to like, think about what is the most important thing? What is the the one thing? And this surprises people a lot, but like my email is a hot piece of dumpster fire. Like it's an absolute disaster. It's a mess. My system, which works for me and not for everyone is that I've kind of batched everything into like my, into an unread priority inbox. I really don't look at a lot of the tabs. I don't look at even the entire, the entirety of my primary inbox. I only look at the unreads. And so if something is unread, then it's like a to-do item. But even then, if it's a do, it's, if it's a to-do item, it's also going to be in Notion. And I just ignore everything else, leave it on red. So I have a couple of inboxes, you know, and so I'll just kind of like work through uh, a lot of my emails, usually towards like the end of the week, because it's less creative work. I don't like doing it. I don't meet with a lot of people. I don't do a lot of meetings, I do a lot of stuff asynchronously through, you know, Notion, Slack, uh, zip message. And, but especially the email part of things, like I just don't keep up with it that much. I probably spend like an hour or two a week on email. And that just allows me to, again, like 75% of my time during the week is on deep work, creative work, not on the kind of administrative, you know, meetings, email, talking about the work that we're doing, planning. It's just deep work. Yeah, I love it. I have so many follow-up questions to what you just shared there. For starters, you kind of mentioned before that you usually have like three big projects per each kind of entity or obligation that you have that you kind of decide on for each month. How do you go about deciding what those projects should be? Because I'm kind of guessing that you have more than those ideas within Notion Boards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of them are um, are urgent. Some of them are like, what is my kind of interests and passions pulling me towards a little bit? I try to just, uh, you know, without getting kind of too woo-woo, like listen to myself, just like where, what do I have the most energy for at the moment? Um, so it comes and goes like, I, I really work in like sprints. So for a while I was like, oh, I'm writing a book this month. This is gonna be what, like my one big thing. I think I wrote probably like 40,000 words. And then I was like, all right, I'm tired. I'm not going to get back to this for another couple of months. And I haven't, <laughs> and I'll move on to the next thing where I have a lot of energy for it instead of just trying to like slog away all the time at doing things that I don't have a lot of creative energy for. And so I really just look at a list and be like, what do I want to tackle? What, what feels fun? What feels inspiring? Of course, there are going to be things that need to get done by a certain deadline or that only makes sense for like seasonal kind of projects. But 
I always also try to leave room for like things to just pop up instead of having like a super rigorous list of things that I stick to no matter what. I'll keep a little bit of space where I know, you know, okay, here, like my, I only have like two projects for this one area, but I have room for a third. And then of course, there's always something that comes up. And so that that allows me to kind of slot in things where I don't feel like, ugh, I'm only doing the work that I don't want to do right now so that I can get to the work, to the work that I want to do later. But then when that time comes, sometimes then I've lost the kind of interest. I've lost the passion. I've lost the energy for it. So I try to just capitalize that on that as much as I can by working on what I have energy for uh, in that moment. That makes a ton of sense. Um, and speaking of kind of like energy and time management, how what is your like absolute ideal workday look like to you? I'm a, I'm kind of a, a night owl and a late riser. So normally I'm up at around eight, start work at nine. I think my like best hours during the day are probably like 10 to noon or like 10 to one. Through lunch, I usually, I don't eat breakfast. I usually have something super, super light for lunch. So I have like, right now I'm drinking a protein shake. Uh, I have coffee. At the most, I might have like a small sandwich or something like that. But I definitely don't want to like eat a big meal so that I feel super sluggish in the afternoon. Because after I'm one o'clock, I start to slow down a little bit and I can feel it in myself. And then I try to just really focus and tie up loose ends, work on like one big project or like find something that I have energy for that'll get me through the rest of the day. Uh, and then I work till about, you know, four or five, sometimes six o'clock. Um, I tend to work more earlier in the week. So like Mondays are probably my longest day where I'll work from like nine to seven. And then Tuesdays, it'll be like nine to six. Wednesday is probably like nine to five. Thursday is like nine to four. And then Friday, you know, checked out at like two or three o'clock usually. And so I kind of front load my, my work week towards, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, rather than trying to work really late Thursday, Friday, or get a lot more done. Cause by that point, I've kind of lost a little bit of my creative energy and I'm mainly just doing, that's why I do emails towards later at the week. That's why I do meetings on Wednesdays because then I've at least done a decent amount of stuff Monday, Tuesday that I want to get done for the week. And so the perfect work day for me, minimal meetings, if any, they're sort of in, in the middle of the afternoon, I would say, or towards like the end of the day, definitely not in the morning that allows me to kind of stay and know that I have like a couple of hours to really get stuff done, be able to focus. Cause it's always like that anticipation of something coming up, some sort of interruption or some sort of thing that I don't want to be late for that just in the back of my mind doesn't allow me to fully engage in work. I was reading this, uh, this tweet by um, uh, Jack Ellis, who was quoting this book. I wish I, I, I wish I could remember it but it's about programmers and why they like to work at night. And it's because there's no interruptions and there's no upcoming event or obligation or a thing that they have to be ready for. And so you're, you're sort of just free. That's how I like to feel most of the day. I usually don't do a lot of work at night actually, but I like to have like a completely free, you know, afternoon or a completely free morning, at least like a big block, of, you know, a chunk of hours, like three or four hours where I just know like I can get lost in this and I don't have to worry about something coming up. I totally agree with some of the things you said. Like I also tend to front load my week. Not always as effective as, as I should be. And also like there's nothing worse than like when you have a day of like six or seven calls and I realize yeah. I'm not going to get any <laughs> deep work done. Right, I know. Yeah, so kind of diving in a little bit more into what you were talking about, about kind of collaborating 
asynchronously, do you have any kind of strategies or tactics that have like really worked for you to really help cut down on the number of meetings and like while still keeping communication high? Yeah, um, man, I, I feel like honestly, it's just a, it takes a little bit of guts just to ask like, hey, do we actually need to meet about this or can we just chat about it or email about it? Or can you just send me like what you're thinking? I don't know what it is, but you know, somehow we got into this kind of zone of work or like the, this, uh, this habit of always meeting to talk about things that need to get done. And I've just found that like writing a memo, writing a Slack message, writing an email, just like putting all my thoughts out there and allowing someone else to consume my thoughts. And then like, we can chat about it. We can meet about it later if we really need to is a drastically more efficient way of, of communicating and collaborating. Because what happens in a, in a meeting is, you know, it's the law of like, you fill the time that it's given to you. And so the default for everyone is a half hour meeting. So it could be like the simplest thing, like, oh, we need to change the call to action on the website. I don't know, something really, really trivial. We book a half hour meeting and we're going to find ourselves like philosophizing about the the merits of green versus blue and the font weights and the placement of the button. Should we even have a button here? So we have something else. And it's like, if all you did was write a little memo about like, okay, we need to change it. Here's a couple of the options. Let me know which one you think is best and we can put it to a vote. I can write that up in like two minutes. Someone can read it on their own 10 minutes later, give me a thumbs up or tell me what their opinion is in one minute. And now we've just collectively saved all of ourselves 25 minutes of work. Right. And so, um, a lot of it's just forcing people to like, Hey, can you just write it up? Can you just tell me what you're thinking instead of telling me live when I'm sort of just trying to find my thoughts and I'm just like talking to discover what I think, <laughs> just write it down. Um, and then even then, if there is like a, a meeting or something that has to be more, uh, kind of face-to-face, I've, I've been a big fan of a tool like zip message, which is basically a loom alternative that allows you to kind of thread conversations together asynchronously. Um, and this allows me to, again, to just like, I'm going to put out my thoughts, but if I can't, if it's too much work for me to write it down, I'll record myself talking through it. I'll talk for a couple of minutes. Someone can, can watch that. And then they can respond to me over text, over an email, over a Slack message. They can send me an audio note, or they can also send me a video note back. But again, we're not wasting half an hour just going back and forth uh, when we have incomplete information. So I don't know. It, to me, it just comes down to like, and this is me talking to find my thoughts, <laughs> but to me, it just comes down to like, just refuse meetings. Tell people, yeah, can you just send me an email? Sorry, I don't have time for that. Can you just send me a Slack message? Can you just write down your thoughts and let me you know what you think? And I'll get back to you. It's as simple as that, but you get people in the habit of that. And then they realize that they don't have to do a meeting for everything. I couldn't agree more. Do you find that sometimes it's the act of having to write it down or record your thoughts actually forces you to get more clarity around what the idea was in the first place, where on a meeting, you often can just kind of, everyone's just kind of throwing out ideas. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, this happened the other day when I was looking through sort of a proposal to integrate a certain marketing tool. And I was like, I want to, but I'm not sure everything that's involved because it's very technical. Maybe I should schedule a meeting where we can talk through this. And then I just wrote down, I was like, okay, I'm just going to write down all the like 
raw thoughts that I have, all the questions, all the pieces of gaps of information. And then as I was writing it out, I was like, actually, this is pretty straightforward. I think all we need is X, Y, and Z. And it seems like this is already taken care of and this will work pretty fine. So if I can just send Derek this directly, you know, for Savvy Cal, um, here's my thoughts. Here's why we need this. Here's the things I need from you. And then he can go and do that in like three minutes and then get back to me. But then I also don't have to like wait for him on the call to go and look that up. And I've already answered a bunch of my own questions about how things work and what's possible and what we need. And I've, I've also kind of packaged up the information in the way that is the most easily understood and consumable for him so that I'm not just, you know, asking questions and, uh, and rambling and trying to find my thoughts, but I just have like a very, very pointed question or a very, very pointed ask or a statement for him. Like, this is what we need. This is why here's how it'll work. Let me know when this is done. If you have any questions and then that's it, he can go through that super, super fast. Yeah. That's hundred percent been my experience is like async really forces you to think and communicate with more clarity and it just cut out a lot of the cruft, you know, like 80% of the communication that happens live is essentially unnecessary. And so we need to async. You don't want to go through the work of writing it all out or recording it in a video message and just ramble on because you feel bad. And so it forces you to uh, to be super, super clear and just straight to the point. Absolutely. I feel like that's what a lot of people miss when it's like, oh, like async first working is really about like not only efficiency, but actually improves communication since everything's a lot more clear than it would be in a call. Do you have, have you ever kind of had a situation where you were kind of communicating with someone and you wanted to communicate asynchronously through zip message or Slack or whatnot, um, and they kind of pushed back on it? And if so, how did you kind of reply to that? Yeah, this happens pretty often when people try to pick my brain about like a SaaS marketing problem where they're like, oh, our growth is kind of plateaued or we're just starting out. We don't really know what to do or our site isn't converting very well. And what I noticed was that when I would agree to hop on a call, like the first 20 minutes is just me asking questions like, oh, yes, yeah, so tell me who's your best customer. What have you tried so far? Let's look at your funnel and your metrics, like all these really basic things, just so I have like the right context and state of mind. And then as soon as I had the information, I was able to kind of rattle off some ideas or potential solutions, and it was very easy. So that's literally what I tell people now is when they ask to meet about that. I'm like, look, I would love to, but I just found that it's kind of a waste of time when I'm just asking you a bunch of questions and I have to like think on the spot. I think that I will be more efficient and more effective at being able to give you better solutions to your to your answers, or sorry, better answers to your questions and better solutions to your problems. Um, if you're able to provide me with X, Y, and Z, you know, tell me who's your best customer, what's your product, what we tried before, you know, go through the list of like all the things I would ask, send me the answers to those. I might ask you a couple more questions over email, and then I'll get back to you in a couple of days. And I promise the results will be, you know, 10 times better than they would have been on a live call because that's just not how I operate either as a person. I'm not a very like spontaneous on the fly. Let me like think out loud. Like I need to, it needs to sit with me. I need to think about it. I need to really like digest it and even sleep on it sometimes. So I just tell people now, like if I met with you, if I, if I met with every person who asked me for advice, that would, I would never get anything done because that would take up, you know, 70% of my week. So answer some questions here. I'll get back to you. 
And then if we still can't figure it out, then I promise we'll hop on a call or we'll, we'll chat over a zip message async because again, that'll probably be more efficient than going back and forth on a live call. Um, but yeah, I mean, it happens all the time to answer your question. <laughs> and I just have to tell people, I think I can get you better results and a better answer uh, if we do it async. Absolutely. And I feel like one of the things is like communicating intermittently is definitely a skill, just like writing or podcasting or marketing or anything like that. Do you have any like tips for someone who maybe hasn't, who's maybe used to being in a meeting first culture, you know, that they can actually start to get more comfortable communicating asynchronously? Yeah. Um, man, I think that, um, I think that like the best alternative to a meeting first culture isn't really like async because it's not really um i don't know if it's so much like sync versus async because you can still have a lot of synchronous communication over slack or over email if you're just like constantly at your desk replying to people and like chatting that's still what i'll call like synchronous it's just not over the video right um or it's not in person right so really what i think the alternative is is it's a more like memo first culture and a memo forces you to like, if you have like a structure for a memo, I normally try to uh, have like an outline of here's what I'm thinking. Here's why I think this would be beneficial. Here are like the questions that I have or, or blockers that are in front of me. Um, and here's what I'm looking for you to respond on. Like, here's the feedback that, uh, that I'm looking for. So I kind of just try to package everything up in there. And then that forces me to, to really write it all out. And it's not going to be as simple as like a one or two liner over Slack. It's going to be a whole document. You know, it's probably going to be like 500 words, you know, at least like 200 words, probably something like that. And, and that is really the difference because that memo is what's replacing the meeting, but you're allowing people to consume it at different times and respond at their own time after they've sort of digested or asked questions, or um, they don't have to give a response live or even have an answer at all, they can sort of do it at their own pace. And so memos to me are, are, are the big one as far as like replacing meetings and just how to actually communicate effectively async is it can't just be like these little surface level chats over Slack. You can write a memo in Slack for sure. But what I mean is you have to have more long form writing as your communication style when you're replacing meetings. Absolutely. Um, and I could chat about like async work um, for a while, but before we wrap, I always like to ask a couple of lightning round questions. Yeah. What's one book that you rec would recommend any kind of founder or marketing reader should read? The two that I recommend all the time are The Mom Test by Rob Fitzpatrick and Obviously Awesome by April Dunford. Both super short, super practical. Um, but absolute game changers for things that are non-obvious, like customer research and positioning, but that make like all the difference in your business, especially as a person of SaaS or as a marketer. Um, or, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I think that all product people should read. Obviously, awesome. I also think that all marketers should read the mob tests because you have a lot of like cross-disciplinary um, takeaways and lessons you can learn that you can apply no matter what your job is. Absolutely. And if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose and why? Oh, geez. Historical figure. Um, man, I think that I'd have to probably have to go back pretty far 
this might be a little bit cliche, but I'd probably want to talk to a more like a biblical character just to get their take on like the world and what's happening. Probably like a, um, like a Paul or one of the apostles or even someone before that, who maybe was like a lesser known character, but was there for a lot of stuff. So I'm going to go with someone like, yeah, I'll just say, I'll just say Paul, um, Paul, the apostle. I think he, he lived an interesting life too. He's been, he went through a lot. That is like the first answer I've gotten that has been like someone mentioning someone biblical. That's super fascinating. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> um, it's been really great chatting with you, Corey. Where can listeners find you online? Uh, a lot of places, mainly Twitter at Corey Haynes Co. My personal site, CoreyHaines.co. Uh, it's Corey with an E with an I. Uh, Swipewell.app if you want to give that a try. It's also swipefiles.com. Um, yeah, lots of different places, but honestly, I'll just follow me on Twitter. Uh, reach out to me over DMs. You can email me. Don't ask me to hop on a call with you. I'll probably say no, but happy to chat async as much as you want. Awesome. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been, it's been really, really fun. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.